We are going to be in Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 13 today. So if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of prayer. And so I wanted to begin our time with a story uh, about prayer from my own life. So about every night, I put our three kids to bed. Ashley has them during the day. And um, I'm usually the one that puts them to bed so that uh, she doesn't have to do that and I get to spend a little extra time. And one thing that we've established with our kids is that every night um, during bedtime, we do pray with them. And if I'm out of town and Ashley puts them to bed, she'll pray with them. So it's been a pretty regular routine. Well, there was one night a while back and I was putting Mason to bed. And Mason is our, our eight-year-old. I think he was about six at the time, so this was a couple of years ago. I was putting him to bed, and we were praying, and I just encouraged him um, just to make his prayer a little bit more personal and just, just to ask God for something he hadn't asked for before. And so Mason says to me, he says, well, Daddy, can, can I ask for a golden eagle buck? A golden eagle buck. So you probably have no idea what a golden eagle buck is, but uh, this was no small request for Mason. Uh, a golden eagle buck is actually a reward that... Um, students at his old school would get for very, on very special occasions and for very special things. Um, they don't give them out often. Uh, they're hard to get. Not everybody gets one. And um, this was very late in the school year, and at this point, Mason had never gotten a Golden Eagle Buck. It had been almost the whole year. He had never gotten a Golden Eagle Buck. Um, they, they don't just hand them out. And so he asked me for this, uh, and just to give you a little bit of context, too, he's in kindergarten at the time, and we were going through what I would probably nicely call some behavioral issues at the time. Um, we had had several parent-teacher conferences already and those sort of things. Uh, so it just seemed even farther out of reach that he would get this, this Golden Eagle buck. And so there was this, this tension in me as a father. I felt like... Um, well, really, I, to be honest, I felt like I needed to talk my way out of this one. Um, and that I needed to uh, maybe convince him to pray for something a little easier, something different, a little more attainable. Um, but uh, I didn't do that. Um, I felt this, this, this conviction in me that, uh, that God was just saying, well, why, Noah, why are you trying to wiggle your way out of what I promised about prayer in the Scriptures? Why don't you just get out of the way for a minute and let me do what I do? Um, so I said, okay, and uh, I said, all right, well, let's, let's, let's pray for a golden eagle buck, son. So that's what we did. Um, we prayed, and uh, I would say a very uh, nervous daddy and a very hopeful son prayed that night, and I walked out of the room, and we went to bed, and got up the next morning, and he was going to school with Ashley, and um, he brought up to her that he had asked for this golden eagle buck, and so they prayed again. I actually said, well, let's pray about it again. So they prayed on the way to school. Uh, fast forward through the day. The day goes by. I'm driving home from work that day. I was at a meeting, and I get a call from Ashley. And Ashley says, hey, uh, you, your son has something he wants to tell you. And I had forgotten, really, about what we had prayed for the night before. It wasn't on my mind at the time. And I hear Mason come on, and I hear him through the Bluetooth, and he says, Daddy, I got a golden eagle buck. I got a golden eagle buck, and I was like, I was shocked. I was like, what? You, you got a golden eagle buck? Um, he hadn't gotten a golden eagle buck all year, not, not one time. 
and then the night, the, the night before, he prays for it, and God comes through and delivers the next day. Um, and so we stopped right there, and we prayed, and we thanked God for, for, for delivering and coming through for him. And I think that day that God really taught my son about his faithfulness and about who he is. Um, and he definitely reminded me as his daddy that uh, he is a God who answers prayer. So with that said, I wonder this morning how, how many of you need to be reminded about that. Reminded what the Bible tells us about prayer uh, in the scriptures. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 11. Uh, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to go through 13. So I'll read for us now. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is, he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All right. So this could easily be a sermon where I walk through the Lord's Prayer because that's kind of the, our beginning part here. And we, we, we talk through kind of the structure of that and what Jesus tells us um, in the Lord's Prayer. But I think you've probably already heard that sermon before, maybe several times. Um, it would be a good sermon, but it's not my goal today. Um, instead, I, I want to focus on some big picture things um, that I see here in this text. And then really, just to be honest, just a few things that God's been teaching me lately about prayer. Um, I, I will say this too, I'm going to be going a little bit out of order. That's not typically my style. I usually like to walk through, uh, very linear, but um, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to be approaching it just more, I would say, thematically. Um, so, so we're going to kind of skip around a little bit, so bear with me. Um, if you're a note taker today, you can rejoice because I have a four-point sermon for you. Um, and I will say those, those points. Uh, I'll, I'll try and state them clearly um, so you can take your notes. Uh, okay, so we're actually going to pick up in verse 9. So look with me at verse 9. It says this. I'll read it again. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. All right, let's stop there. So at a, a very fundamental, basic level, what is our motivation to pray? Like what, what motivates us to pray? Well, I think it's this. It's because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And that's point number one. 
Prayer changes things. So if we, if we look at these verses, I think it's clear, and Jesus says it, there is a cause and effect relationship between asking and receiving. And to take that even a step further, I think we can say there's, there's a cause and effect relationship between our prayers and what God does. Now, if you're like me, uh, you may have cringed just a little bit theologically when you hear that statement, there's a cause and effect between our prayers and what God does, because there is a tension here that I think does come from the scriptures. Probably the best way for me to illustrate that tension and just to kind of lay it out for you is to give you what I see as, as two extremes when it comes to how we think about prayer, both on different ends of the spectrum. Um, so here's the, here's the two extremes. The first extreme says this, and it's on this side. If I just have enough faith and I pray, God will give me whatever I ask for, no matter what, right? Because that's what, that's what Jesus says here, right? That's what we might call the genie view of God, okay? That's on one side. On the other end, we've got the second extreme, and it's on the other end of the spectrum, and it says this, no, God is sovereign. He's in control. His will is going to be done no matter what, and therefore my prayers don't mean that much. They don't matter that much. If we were to take that even a step further, probably we'd say something like, and God, he already knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I want. So there's really not that much of a reason for me to pray anyway. Now, obviously, those are both improper ways of thinking about prayer, right? Biblically, when we think about it biblically. But what about that tension that exists, I think, between the two? Because when I say something like prayer changes things, I think a, a genuine question might, might honestly pop up in your mind that just says this, it, well, it, isn't God sovereign? Doesn't the Bible tell us that he is in control of everything and that nothing happens outside of his will? Well, yes, that's true. Um, we get that straight from the scriptures. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says this, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 30. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So yes, God is in control. The Bible tells us that. But at the same time, the scriptures tell us in lots of different places that God hears the prayers of his people and that he responds. They tell us that prayer changes things. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you probably heard this a lot, especially lately. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. And then in our text today, Luke chapter 11, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. John Frame's systematic theology says this, there are things that happen because of prayer and things that do not happen because of no prayer. That's true. So, Noah, are you saying that our prayer 
changes the eternal plan of God? Well, no. But I am saying this. Human prayer has a major part to play in the eternal plan of God. That's a good way to understand it. Frame puts it this way. He said, God's eternal plan has determined that many things will be achieved by prayer and many things will not be achieved without prayer. That's deep, isn't it? Thanks for the book, by the way. (laughs) That statement says that prayers are powerful. They matter. That, That prayer works. I've got another Mason bedtime story for you to illustrate. You laugh. This, this is, I counted it up. This is the fourth time I think I've used an illustration from my conversations with Mason at bedtime. I think I'm going to have to start saying something like, I've got another entry uh, into the Mason Bedtime Chronicles for you, because I'm sure I'm going to use more. Before I tell the story, I think there's a few things you should know about Mason. Um, he is a lot like his daddy. He is as analytical as they come. He is a, a, a deep thinker. He can be a tad bit cynical, uh, and he could argue with a brick wall. And he has a a ton of difficult questions as well. All right, that's what you need to know, so here's a story. So uh, this was just a few months ago. I'm I'm putting Mason to bed. Uh, We're talking, and we got got into kind of a theological discussion. Not that I wanted to at bedtime, but we did. Um, And I will tell you, it did not go well, our discussion. There were several things that we discussed, as I remember. Um, He didn't want to pray that night because he felt like, uh, as he said, he's talking to no one or just talking to himself. Uh, There were some prayers that that God had not answered yet, and he was upset about that. God hadn't answered his prayers. Um, And then he was also, he was was mad at God because uh, God had allowed bad things to happen, like murder, as an example he used. And if God could stop it and he didn't, well, then that means God's a bad guy and he disagreed. It's all these things, okay? All these things were were swirling through. We were talking and it felt like no matter what I said, it felt like I just wasn't getting through and it just, it wasn't working. Uh, He just wanted to argue and it had kind of been like that, I think, for a lot of the week as well, several days before that. And so when I walked out of his room that night, I just felt really discouraged. Um, I felt really down about that, that conversation. And I even, when I came downstairs, I told Ashley, I said, Ashley, I feel like I'm just, I'm just failing as a, as a father just to lead him, you know, spiritually. And so in my frustration that night, um, I, I went in my office and I closed the door and I prayed. And I, I just, I prayed that God would help. Um, I, I prayed that God would intervene, that, that he would do something there. Um, and I've been doing something new uh, where I've been writing my prayers down. Uh, it's been good for me. And so that night, after I finished praying, I wrote down three things next to Mason's name. I wrote Mason, and then a dash, and then I wrote these three things. Change his heart of stone, give me patience with him, and save him. Those are the three things I wrote, that I wrote down. So I go to bed. The next night comes, praying with Mason, and he prays this kind of formulaic prayer that he will pray sometimes when he just, he's mailing it in and he doesn't, he doesn't really want to, want to pray. It's just kind of like us. We just, we just go through the motions, right? Um, and I, so I said, well, I'll stop there for a second, son. Let's try something. What, what do you really want from God? Like, what do you really want from him? 
And he said in a, in a very frustrated voice, he said, I want him to change me. I want him to change me. I want him to change my heart, and I want him to make me stop sinning. I was not expecting that response from him in that moment, I can tell you for sure. Uh, and to be honest, it really took me off guard. I didn't quite know what to say, but when I, I picked my, my job off the floor, um, I could just see that, that God was working in his little heart. And I could tell you, nothing I had said that night or even several nights before led to that. It just didn't. And I said, well, son, I've got good news for you. God wants to change you. Like, what you want is the same. That's awesome. He, he wants to change your heart. And he was so excited to hear that God wants to change him. And so we talked through, you know, the gospel again and how when we trust in Jesus, God sends us the Holy Spirit to live within our hearts and to, and to work on us and to sanctify us. And then we prayed that God would change his heart. And I, I walked out of his room that night feeling very different than I did the night before. Um, I was very encouraged and I was so grateful, and so I went back into my office, and I prayed, and I thanked God. I thanked him that he was working. And then I, I pulled that piece of paper back out, and I, and I looked at it, and I looked at what I'd written down next to his name. Mason, remember what it said? Change his heart of stone. Give me patience with him and save him. And I wrote down in parentheses next to it, progress, progress. People, prayer changes things. It does. Now, will God stop pursuing my son if I fail to pray for him? If I, if I don't do a good job praying for him? No. But I believe within God's plan to save him are people like me that are going to be praying for him to be saved. You see, God has ordained it that your prayer, either the abundance of your prayers or the lack of your prayers, will have an impact on your life and the life of, people's, of, of people around you. And it's, it's crazy when I think about it, too, because I, I don't often remember this, but the biggest change agent in your life or in my life that we have direct control over, the most control over, is our prayer. It's not our motivation, our talent, our ability to, 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 to get organized or to plan or scheme. No, the biggest change agent that you and I have is simply asking our powerful Father to change things. So here's a heart check moment for you. Let me ask you this. Deep down, do you believe that God is able and willing to answer your prayers? Deep down. Or have you become a cynic? Are you afraid to ask for the big things? Or are you guarded against disappointment? Have you allowed unanswered prayer to, to cause you to not go to the Lord, honestly, for things that you desire? Do you believe that prayer changes things? Here's probably the hardest question. Does your prayer life confirm that? One way or the other. Does your prayer life confirm that? You see, because your, your prayer life, it's a tell. 
Oftentimes, what we do is because of what we believe. And if we believe deep in our souls that our prayer can bring about change and that God acts as a response to our prayers, then guess what? We will pray a lot. I mean, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we do the thing that is going to bring about change in the areas we so strongly desire to see changed? But if we're not convinced that God hears our prayers and that he has the power and desire to act, then we will suffer from prayerlessness, won't we? I've been reading a really good book on prayer. It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. I definitely recommend picking it up if you want just like a good, honest, down-to-earth book on prayer that's really practical. One of the things that's stood out to me in the book is that Paul Miller, this, this author, he's got this firm conviction that prayer changes things. It just jumps off the page. And for that reason, he prays about everything. The book is just filled with story after story, example after example of, of, of Paul Miller seeing God answer his prayers in just a ton of ways. So much so that I was, I was reading the book the other night on my couch, and I became so convinced and convicted that, that prayer changes things that I just stopped reading. I just put the book down, and I just started praying, like in, almost in a frenzy. I just had this sense of urgency because I felt like I'd just been missing out. I've been missing out. And I started praying for things that I haven't prayed for in a long while. I started praying for things I've never thought to pray for before. And it's like it just hit me all of a sudden that there are these things in my life that I desire, these things that I desire to change, good things, godly things that I've never actually asked God for. And if I'm being honest, the reason is I didn't think God was actually going to do something about it. So I, I want to encourage you today, if you're like me, if you find yourself, or if you had found yourself in a place where you, you doubt that your prayers are going to make a difference, my hope for you this morning is that God will begin to remind you that prayer changes things and that he answers prayer. All right, let's, let's get on to point number two. <laughs> I want to look again at... Uh, verse 9, we're going to be in the same place, but I want to I read it in a way that will kind of bring out what I want to tell you. Verse 9, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. All right, stop there. So there's this theme here we find throughout the teachings of Jesus when he talks about prayer. And it's this, Jesus just says, ask and it will be done. And Jesus, he says this sort of thing all the time, all the time in the New Testament. John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do. John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. These are all direct quotes from Jesus, by the way. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. 
Over and over again, Jesus tells us, ask and it will be done. Now, if, if you're like me, really analytical, like I said, and you hear those words, you, you might say something like this, whoa, 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 hold on there a minute, Jesus. You're sounding a little bit name it and claim it to me. You got to be careful. Jesus, you can't say stuff like that. People are going to get the wrong idea about prayer. I mean, doesn't Jesus know that, that, that sometimes prayers go unanswered? Doesn't he realize that? Well, yes. He's Jesus. He knows. In the Bible, it's true, it gives us lots of reasons why our prayers may be unanswered. Lots of reasons we won't have a lot of time to get into today. But things like personal sin or asking wrongly, asking with wrong motives or selfishness, or just simply that our prayers didn't line up with what God's will is. In fact, Jesus, he, he, he gives us a really good example of what it looks like to approach prayer, knowing that God may not always say yes, and that what we ask for may not always be in line with God's will. This example we're going to find in Mark chapter 14. I'm, I'm going to read it. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. So Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he's, he's about to be arrested shortly after he'll be crucified. Mark chapter 14, I'm going to pick up in verse 32. It says this, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus, he, he knows what's coming next. He knows what needs to happen. His crucifixion. But he prays. If there's another way, Father, let it be that way. If there's another option, make it so. He asks boldly. But then look at the next statement. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. He says, Father, I'm, I know that anything is possible for you, but I'm acknowledging that your will is more important than mine. In his book on prayer, Paul Miller, he says that Jesus, he gives us a template here of how we should approach prayer. And that's point number two, this template. When you pray, ask and surrender. Ask and surrender. So we ask boldly in faith, and then we surrender the outcome, the outcome to whatever God decides to do. That may be stated in our prayer, or it may just be a position of our heart before the Lord. We say to God, here's what I want, and here's what I'm asking you for, but ultimately, you are God, and I trust you. I know that your ways are better than my ways. I know that you want what's best for me, and you know what's best for your glory. And so I'm going to leave the results to you, God. And sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says not yet. Ask and surrender. Notice this, though. This is, this is interesting and important. 
Surrender doesn't mean that we don't ask. Surrender does not mean we don't ask. And this is, this is super obvious, I think. But if we're to take Jesus at his word in Luke chapter 11, it's a very real possibility that if we do ask, God will say yes. And we should walk in just acknowledging that, that God may say yes. It's also very possible that nothing is going to happen until we ask. We have to ask. We have to ask. So what have we already missed out on because we didn't ask? Heart check moment number two for you here. Are you asking? Are you asking? When you do ask, are you surrendering the result to the Lord? All right, we're going to move on to my third point here. That's going to be found in verse 5. We're going to back up to verse 5. So before I read it, I just want to say it's really interesting to me. Jesus is asked by his, by his disciple, well, Lord, teach us to pray. And first he gets into the Lord's Prayer where he gives them kind of a formula for prayer, what a prayer should look like. But then he goes on still answering the same question, and he gives this parable. Okay, this is a, still a, a part of how we should pray. So verse 5, let's read it now. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer, for, and he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because, of, because he is his friend. Yet, because of, it, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Okay, stop there. So there's, a, there's this man, and he's visiting his friend. Or he, he, there's this man, and he has a friend visiting him. There's two friends here. It gets confusing. He's got, he's got a friend visiting him, and he needs bread. And so he goes to another friend's house, and he asks him for bread. Except that it's midnight. And his friend's already in bed, the doors are locked up, and he's in bed with his children, and he says no at the beginning. But, the parable tells us, because of his impudence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. This word, impudence, it's, it's to, we're supposed to understand it to mean bold persistence. The, the, the NASB actually translates it as persistence. So the point of the parable is this. Persistence in prayer pays off. Persistence in prayer pays off. That's point number three, that we pray with persistence. It's the same principle that we see in Luke chapter 18 with the parable of the persistent widow. Same principle there. It is a biblical principle to pester God. Think about that. I don't see a lot of kids here. Maybe there are some at home, so I'll ask you. If you're a child, or if you can think back to when you were a child, if, if you ask your parents over and over again for the same thing, they're likely not to react very well, right? If your parents are like me, they, they get annoyed. When my kids ask me something, especially when they've asked me quite a bit, and I say to them, wait or hold on, not right now, yet they keep asking. I'm, I'm likely to say something like this. If you ask me one more time, the answer's going to be no, okay? 
Stop pestering me. But God's not like that. How interesting. God's not like that. He wants us to pester him. The Bible says that if we ask God over and over again for what we desire, he's more likely to say yes. Wow. Stay persistent with your prayers. The very fact that Jesus tells us to be persistent tells us that there will be times when God does not answer the first time, or the second, or the third, or the fourth. What have you stopped praying about? What have you prayed for, for for days, for weeks, for months, for years, but you gave up because God did not answer? Now, there may be a reason God didn't answer, and maybe you should look at that. Maybe there's, there's sin in the way. Maybe it's not God's will. But if you don't have a reason to think that, I just encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. Those things that you're really passionate about, those things where you just want God to get involved and to change things, and even though you've been asking for a while, keep asking. Keep asking. Maybe God hasn't answered that prayer yet. Don't give up so easily. All right, one last thing I want to look at before we wrap up. It's found in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So Jesus says, he says, okay, all you fathers out there, if your son asks you for a fish because he's hungry, are you going to give him a snake? If he asks for an egg, are you going to say, okay, son, here's a scorpion instead? For those of you who are parents, Will you look at your child who you love and refuse to give them what they need and instead give them something harmful? No. And this is an argument from logic Jesus makes. And so the logic goes like this. If that's the case with you who are just sinful and selfish as a, as a human, how much more will your perfect and loving father give to his children? Now, in Luke chapter 11 here, when he talks about giving, Luke, Luke says the Holy Spirit, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit? There's actually an alternate account of this story in, in Matthew. Matthew actually uses the words good things, how much more will your Father give you good things? I think Matthew gives us the more broad, the good things. Luke gives us the specifics, maybe even the best thing, the Holy Spirit. But the point is this, our Father wants to give us, his children, good things. He wants to provide for us. And sometimes that's physical, earthly things. Sometimes that's not physical, earthly things. Sometimes it's heavenly things, spiritual things. And this comparison between an earthly father and our heavenly father, is it's just a reminder of our relationship to God and prayer. We don't go to this aloof cosmic being with our prayers. No, we go to our Father. That's who we go to. A perfect Father. 
who loves us. And that's one of the most beautiful things I think about prayer. It's, it's the relationship between us and God that occurs there. And that's point number four. Prayer deepens our relationship with God. Prayer deepens our relationship with God because prayer, it invites God into our lives and it, it invites us into a place of fellowship with Him. It allows God to show us His faithfulness to us by answering our prayers or sometimes not answering our prayers even in the same way that, that you wouldn't give your children whatever they ask for. It keeps us connected with God. It keeps us dependent on Him. And it allows God to teach us as we go to Him and we see Him working and, and to walk with us in our lives and every, every single aspect of our lives. Something that, that, that's, that stuck out to me lately too when I've thought about this is that just how into the details of our lives God is willing to be. I mean, look at, look at those last verses we just read, verse 11 and 12. What, what's the child asking for? A fish and an egg. Basic things, simple things, tangible things. Even in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Basic, tangible things that we need. I think I've often made the mistake of, of keeping God out of some of the everyday things in my life. Oftentimes when I pray, I'm hitting God with like the big picture stuff. Those things that are just so important, so spiritual, but I think it's become clear to me over the past several months that God does want to be involved in the details of my life. I think I've always known that, but it's, it's, I've been reminded. He is. He's involved in the physical and the tangible everyday parts of my life. He doesn't have any desire to restrict our conversations or my request to these big spiritual things. Instead, he, he wants to get down into the nitty-gritty and be a part of that, too. Let me give you an example. So I'm a, I, I'm a medical device salesman. That's my job. Um, that means that I sell medical supplies to hospitals. And like any sales job, I have quotas and goals and things that I have to hit. And my income is greatly affected by whether or not I hit those quotas or goals. And it wasn't really, I don't think, until about the last three years that I actually started praying that God would help me in my job, which sounds stupid now when I think about it. Um, but I think I was just really guarded against the prosperity gospel. Um, and if something inside me, it just felt wrong to ask God to help me win a deal or to be successful in a meeting. And I think I was just also just over-spiritualizing my prayers, um, really to the point that it just it didn't feel right to ask God for something as basic as, as, as having success in a meeting today. And because of this, I think I was missing out on some very real opportunity for God to show his faithfulness. I was missing out on an opportunity to bring God in in, in an area of my life that's just really important. And so I, I started to pray about those things, and I started to see God work and answer those prayers. Sometimes in really small ways, sometimes an answer that said no, or he answered in a way that, that, that led to me being more connected to him for a longer period of time, and I could see that as well. And I can tell you, it strengthened my faith. It gave me more trust in the Lord. 
and it, it made my relationship with him deeper because now God had his hands and his fingertips in on, on more things that I was involved, of, uh, involved in, more things that were on my mind. I wonder today, what, what areas of your life have you not invited God into? Think about it. What areas of your life have you not invited God into? All right, let me leave you with this. This is where I'll wrap up. It's my hope this morning that that God would make us into a people of prayer and that we would be convinced that prayer is powerful and that it changes things. Not because of us, but because of God. My hope is that we would let go of cynicism, any cynicism in our hearts, and that our our prayer would lead us into a deeper relationship with the Lord. That's my hope. All right, let's pray.